There we go. All right. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. All right. You guys ready for some football? Can I get a who day? Awesome. Man, thank you guys for being here this morning. <laughs> thank you guys for being here this morning. Thank you guys that are joining us online. Uh, glad you made the time to be with us. My name is Andrew Crow. I am our student pastor here at the Ross campus. Uh, let me tell you, it's a big difference between uh, teaching adults and teaching students. Um, I'm thankful to be in here. It smells way better in here than it does in that student room, let me tell you. I see some students in here. Look, that's not a slight, like, middle schoolers, just Axe body spray. It's not the same as taking a shower, okay? Just know that. All right. But we are wrapping up our Vantage Point series today, and today we are going to be talking about how a spirit-filled life can lead to peace, how a spirit-filled life can lead to peace. And I think in order to find that peace, we have to be fighters. We have to be fighters. So I grew up in the best decade. I don't care what anyone else says. I grew up in the 90s. Any 90s babies? Come on. A few of us. I grew up in the 90s. I had the honor of watching the GOAT, not LeBron James, not Kobe, RIP, but Michael Jordan. Those Bulls teams were unmatched. The fight, the drive, that, that they had, like the intensity, like MJ leading his team while he had the flu, that's amazing. You don't see anyone else play like that anymore, right? Like LeBron James has a sub out when he gets a boo-boo on his ankle, right? <laughs> I love the fight. Players today are soft, like bring back the bad boys of Detroit, right? Bring back the smack talking of Larry Bird. Even like, to bring back Dennis Rodman, the way that he played defense on the worm, the way that he rebounded. Like when I played basketball for that little bit of time in middle school and high school, like I mimicked my defensive game after Rodman because it was just awesome. The dude was intense. I love the fight. Same reason why I love wrestling. Of course, now I know that's fake. Sorry <laughs> if I ruined that for some of y'all. I actually stayed up a little bit later than I should have watching the Royal Rumble last night. I don't know why. But I love wrestling. I love the attitude. I love the drama. I love the technical aspect of wrestling. My friends, we would set up our ring like in the living room when we were young. Man, and I would climb on top of that sofa and I pretended like I'm jumping off the top ring and totally just smash my friend in the gut. I mean, we'd put like pillows under our shirts to make sure we were safe. Totally worked. I loved it. I think the reason I love like these, the, the tough basketball players, why I love wrestling, is because I wasn't a fighter as a kid. Like, I would avoid confrontation. I was a gentle kid at heart. Fighting in real life for me was awkward. It was super awkward. Even when people fought around me, like, it was awkward. It got weird. I did take karate for like a year. I got my yellow belt, so, I mean, I was pretty, that was pretty good. I didn't fight, though. I bailed. And I believe it's important for us to be fighters. See, during our Vantage Point series, we've been talking about God's perspective, right? How we view our situation is way better and clearer than what we can see in front of us. When we find ourselves in a situation where we need to fight, we have a very limited perspective. We can only see the obstacle that's right in front of us. Since we can only see so far, I think some of us may tend to turn to destructive or familiar habits. You see, for some of us, we choose to numb a situation with alcohol or with drugs. We try to distract ourselves, maybe with a pornography addiction. Our home life isn't what we thought it would be, so we stay late at the office and we overwork ourselves. We're not getting the attention we want from our spouse, right? So we look for attention from a past fling or a coworker. Like our view and our habits are so limited. 
We have to trust that God is bigger and better in our lives. Even for that tough situation we find ourselves in, we have to trust God, and we, we have to fight. Isaiah 56, 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Adults here in the room, like, we have to fight for our marriages It's not natural for us to wake up every day and put our spouse before ourselves. Like, we are naturally selfish beings. Like, I want to do the things that I want to do. I don't want to watch another episode of Grey's Anatomy. I want to watch a sci-fi thriller, okay? I have to choose to serve my spouse, put her before myself. We have to fight for our careers, right? We have to fight against the spirit of being lazy, We're just being content with the status quo. Like I choose to fight and progress and grow myself and learn more and more every day to be the best that I can be. You have to fight when you're in school. Don't take that out of context. But you have to fight when you're in school. Don't let the temptation to not study or stay too late at a party win. You have to fight to stay focused, to be diligent in your studies. This next one's hard. We have to fight for our spiritual lives. This is way too difficult for me. I think it's hardest for all of us. Following and trusting God is not practical. And as humans, we think practically. We look for what we can see right in front of us. We look for what we can feel and get our, our hands on, right? Like, I have to fight to spend time with God. I have to fight to pray. I have to fight to study the Bible. I have to fight off temptations that pull me for, away from my most important relationship. We have a very real enemy that does not want us to succeed. It says here in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The definition of devour is this, to eat food or prey hungrily or quickly or to destroy completely. You ever been flipping like through the channels back, well I mean not now, but like flipping the channels back in the day and then you get on the discovery channel, right? And you're like, this looks interesting. Because right, because like you flip and you stop and you see like this lion that's like hunkered down, right? You're like, I know what's about to happen. So you stop because you want to watch and that lion is just here in the grass looking. You see this gazelle just chilling, minding its own business. And that lion just pops up, chases that gazelle and just tears it to shreds. Sorry, gazelle. <laughs> that line was hungry. A couple weeks ago, I was driving home from church and on the side of the road. I don't know if it's, has anyone seen this deer carcass that's like been sitting here forever. <laughs> uh, but a couple weeks ago, I was driving home and I saw a bald eagle on top of it, just like going to town. I was like, that was awesome. Nature's so cool. It was devouring it. Peter makes that comparison because, look, we do have a real enemy, an enemy that wants to completely destroy our lives. He wants our marriages to fail. He wants us to fail at work. He wants us to fail in our relationship with God, and he will do anything in order for us to fail. So if we're going to try to see things from God's vantage point, 
we have to try and imitate someone that has God's view. Someone that was God, but was also man. So he knew what it was like to be tempted. Jesus was a fighter. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 4. Open up that Bible app if you have it on your phone. And if you, guys, hey, if you guys don't have a Bible, man, we would love to gift you with one. So on your way out of here, stop by the hub, and we would love to bless you with a Bible. The Bible is an absolute must in our lives if we're going to be fighters. So if you don't have one, make sure you grab one. But Matt, we'll be in Matthew chapter 4. So early on in Matthew, we see John the Baptist come into play. He's in the wilderness in Judea teaching everyone about Jesus, basically setting up Jesus coming into worlds to do his ministry. So as he was preparing everyone, Jesus shows up. He comes to John the Baptist. He gets baptized. God's like, yes, well done. And now we're like, all right, it's about to get good. Jesus is going to go, and he's going to turn the world upside down. But first, we see Jesus enter into one of the biggest fights of his life. So this is what we'll be. Read Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. We'll read it here together. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said, all of this I will give you, he said, if you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So here we see Jesus being led into the desert by the Spirit, only to be challenged by the devil. Satan is coming at Jesus, tempting him with what I feel like is every basic human need. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to tempt him with food. I'm going to tempt him with protection, safety. I'm going I'm to tempt him with power, with authority. Jesus was alone in the desert, had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Like, 40 days, like, without eating. Like, I can't even go 40 minutes without a snack, y'all. Like, 40 days. <sighs> so at a moment of weakness, which I know that we could all relate to, the devil's tempting Jesus with this food. But Jesus fights back with Scripture, saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. So that devil threw that punch. Man, Jesus dodged it. He punched back with Scripture. Then we see the devil take Jesus to the highest point of the temple and tells Jesus, yeah, just throw yourself down. You'll be fine. Like, not sure if any of us are afraid of heights or if Jesus was afraid of heights, but he seemed to be in a very precarious situation. The devil goes for a sweet kick, but Jesus blocks it and comes back. It is also written, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. 
Well, we know the devil wasn't going down quietly. He tries to get one last shot. He takes him to this very high point of the mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and says, if you bow down and worship me, all of this will be yours. So that's seen in the Lion King, right? When Mufasa takes Simba up, everything the light touches, (laughs) except for the dark place. Don't go there. What did Simba do? Gosh. He said, I will give you authority over everything if you bow down and worship me. So offering Jesus power and authority to acknowledge him as Lord, like who wouldn't want that? I would love to have like more authority, more power, control over a kingdom. That sounds awesome. I would love to have that. Sometimes we see our friends or family members, maybe we've done it before, right? Where we like make a deal with the devil. They take, or we take a big hit on our character. We cut a corner, we cheat just to get a raise or praise from somebody. Jesus fights back one last time, and he had enough. Away from me, Satan. Like, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus had enough and told the devil, dude, get the heck out of town. If you're like me, you might be thinking, okay, like Jesus was literally the son of God. Might be a little bit easier for him to fight. All right, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But there's, there's two things I think Jesus did for us. Number one, Obviously, he took our place on that cross and redeemed all of mankind. The second thing he did is he gave us an example on how to live with a vantage point, not of ourselves, but of God. He gave us that example. So here's what I believe that we need to do in order to resist temptation and fight for life in the spirit, which leads to peace. I got three things for us. Again, practical things, because I like being practical. So three things. Number one, you have to want it. You just have to want it. I have a buddy back, back in Texas, and that was his saying. He's like, oh, you just got to want it. Like, we would talk about the Cowboys all the time, and like, if, if they, when they lost, when they lose all the time. Uh, he'd be like, oh, the Cowboys just didn't want it enough. I guess the Bengals wanted it enough. Or if someone, like, got a promotion or something at work, he'd be like, yeah, they wanted it enough. You have to want it. You have to want it. But do you really want it? Do you really want this life of peace that God offers? For me, a lot of times, it feels way better to sit in my mess. Because it's comfortable and it's familiar. Like, you have to want it. For some of us, we sit in our mess. Or maybe for some of us, like, following Jesus isn't practical, so we choose just to have a little bit of faith or like no faith at all. Completely just ignore that lifestyle or what Jesus is calling us to do. Literally, God has his hand reached out to you. That hand is full of love and mercy and grace and salvation. But you have to take it. God's not going to force you to take it. You, we, we have to want it. We have to want it. Second thing is, pray. Pray again. Pray some more. I know this might sound like a cliche church answer, but look, it's cliche for a reason because it's true. I always tell students, you know, like, a lack of prayer life is like an out-of-tune guitar. Like, if I come up here and just totally, like, detune Darren's guitar, like, that would be funny. 
But he would come up here and he would sound terrible right on that last song, right? Like that lack of prayer life is like an out-of-tune guitar. Like it's going to sound terrible. It's going to sound terrible. But if that guitar is in tune, it's beautiful. Our prayers is what keep us in tune with our Heavenly Father. Jesus was always, always making time to get alone with his Father. And if Jesus did it, we should do it too. Luke 5.16 says this, But Jesus himself would often slip away until the wilderness to pray. I'm telling you all now, we have to go horizontal before we go vertical. We have to go horizontal to our Father before we go vertical into this world. We have a great opportunity to do that next week as a church family. Like, come back, join us for our worship and prayer night. It's going to be awesome. My soul is so looking forward to that. I don't know, some of us are probably on different levels up here in our relationship with Jesus, man. But if you come for our worship and prayer night, I guarantee you're going to experience something good. You're going to experience some of what God has in store for you. I'm excited for it. So join us back next week for our worship and prayer night. Like, you can't have a relationship with someone you don't talk to, right? Because you imagine, like, not talking with your spouse. Some of y'all are probably like, that sounds good to me, all right? But like, you wouldn't have a relationship at all. You wouldn't have a relationship with your, your kids, like, if you didn't talk with them and spend time with them. You have a heavenly father that wants to spend time with you. You have a heavenly father that urges, that longs to be with you. Spend time with him. Spend time with him. And when, when, you're, when, you, when you get into something tough, tell him what's on your mind, what you're feeling, what you're battling. Ask him for the spirit to fight. Instead of sitting in that mess, ask him. Ask him for his perspective on that situation. Ask him to bring the Holy Spirit into your life. Ask for that peace. So we have to want it. We have to pray. Pray again. Pray some more. That third thing is you got to keep your nose in the Bible. You have to keep your nose in this and less in this. I mean, unless you have a Bible app, but all right. If you're using the Bible app, it's cool, but try to get a physical Bible because this has so many distractions. We have to have our nose in this and less in this. This leads to destruction. This leads to jealousy, to temptation. This leads to full life in Jesus. We have to keep our nose in the Bible. Reading and studying the Bible has got to be a priority in our life. The Bible is the lens at which we should view the world. We see Jesus give us a great example of knowing and using Scripture in Matthew, our whole story, right? We see Jesus in Matthew 4 be led into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. We see that first temptation, the devil tempts him with food. Jesus answered back, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil tempts him again by telling Jesus to throw himself off of the highest point of the temple that God will save you. Notice here, like, even the devil knows scripture. That's dangerous, y'all. Our enemy knows our greatest weapon. So why don't we? Why don't we? So God says here, it is written, do not put your Lord your God to the test. So he comes back with scripture. 
Then again, we see one last time the devil takes Jesus to the high mountain and says, bow down and worship me. Jesus responds, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm telling you all, sometimes we need to say, away from me, Satan. Beat it. Get out of here. Let the devil know he's got no business in your life. Jesus fought back with scripture. So if we are going to fight, we have to be familiar with the best weapon. We have to keep our nose in the Bible. You have to want it. You have to keep praying. And you have to keep your nose in the Bible. Our vantage point is very limited. God's perspective is higher and fuller and better. The more that we can tune ourselves to God and understand his sovereignty, his supreme authority, his influence, and the fact that he is unwavering, the more that we can fight against temptation, the more we can experience the spirit that leads us to peace. Hear me say this, like having that peace, it's not going to make our lives easier. It's not going to make our bad situations just magically go away. But having that peace will help us trust that God is good and that God is faithful through the storms. The peace that gives us strength to turn to God instead of giving into our own temptations when stuff hits the fan. Life in the spirit leads to peace. Life in the spirit leads us to peace. Look, God is good, y'all. God is so good. His ways are better. His plans are better. Like, why not trust and lean on him than on our own understanding? Look, we dumb. <laughs> Sorry. We dumb. All right? Can I say dumb? Can I say dumb from the stage, Chris? Is that okay? All right. Trust God. His ways are so much better. So much better. Surrender your whole life to him. Be present with him through prayer and the reading of his word. We have to be prepared to fight. I'm pretty confident that Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams like, didn't just go into those games without preparing for them. And after watching The Last Dance, incredible, by the way, if you haven't watched that, if you're a basketball fan, go watch The Last Dance. I know for a fact how hard MJ worked and how hard he pushed his team. We have to prepare ourselves for the fight. We have to practice the examples that Jesus gave us. We have to trust that God's vantage point is way bigger and better than ours. We can't control what the devil's going to do, unfortunately. We cannot control what the devil is going to do. But we can choose to live in the Spirit. We can choose to trust that God's goodness and his ways are better than mine. I want that peace so bad in my life. Man, and I hope and I pray that you do too. Let's pray. Thank God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that your ways are better. 
God, I just pray that we could surrender to you. That we could trust our lives to you. God, that, that we could prep for the battle. I pray as a church family that we can do this together. That we could continue to be on this full life in Jesus and prep together and fight together and learn scripture together and pray together. Father, let us set up healthy habits for our fight. God, you are so good. We love you. We trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.